With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast with Miller and Dace. Going to talk quite a bit of college football tonight. Uh, Steve has put together a list from all of the Power 5 conferences related to where he would have the win totals for each team. Win totals also synonymous with over-unders. Uh, these are not necessarily what Vegas uh, has put out. These is This is what Steve thinks uh, Vegas should put out, or rather what he would put for win totals on each of these teams if he were setting lines. I've also got mine together for the Big Ten. We'll also talk about uh, Bob Stoops' retirement, maybe share a few stories of what we knew from what went down back in uh, 1998, very late 1998, uh, when Iowa had a chance to hire Bob Stoops uh, and did not do so. And also, um, one thing we'll talk about uh, towards the end is something uh, that Steve tweeted out earlier this week as it relates to conference expansion and Oklahoma and the Big Ten. So a lot to get into tonight. Steve, let's begin with your over-unders that you put together. And did, did I set that up correctly? This is what you would have, not necessarily what Vegas has. Yeah, the way we've done this in the past is um, when Vegas – I sent you what I would put as win totals on May 6th, right? That's yes. when I sent you mine. Yes, you did. And then when Vegas puts theirs out, we do this every summer about this time on the podcast, is we go through, you do the Big Ten, I do like all the Power Five schools, and we go through and then we see, we compare what you and I have to what Vegas has. And the, the general rule, correct me if I'm wrong, the general rule on how we've done this in the past is I have to be, I, I have to be within a half game to get it right, Correct. Yeah, I can't remember specifically. Uh, that seems does that seem good enough, or is it one or one and a half? I can't recall specifically. No, I think it's just a half a game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a half game. A half game is a pretty tough, pretty tough mark. So yeah. And every year, every year so far that, and we've been doing this since the radio show, and usually it's about this time a year, you start thinking my. Uh, idiot savantness is overrated. Yes. And then I renew your faith in my idiot savantness when we do this exercise pretty much every year, as I recall. Yes. And I'm trying to remember, do we put this up against uh, Vegas Insider? Is that what we do? Yeah, I think that's what we do. Or Bavada, whoever is the one that puts out the over-unders for all of the teams. Okay. Okay. I've got um, – I actually happen to have Vegas Insiders queued up here uh, that they released on June 1st if you want to do that. Okay. Whichever ones you want to use is fine with me. You bet. Okay. Well, let's okay. do it. Let's jump in then. Uh, I'm not sure if you have these in front of you or not. If not, I'll just go ahead and read them. Um, start the ACC. Florida State. I've got mine. I don't have the va- – I, I have on purpose not looked at any Vegas ones because when I sent you mine, they hadn't even come out yet. But I haven't even looked at them yet because I wanted to, to not have any temptation to change anything. So I'm going to hear these for the first time right now. Okay. You have um, Florida State at 10.5, Clemson at 9.5, and, and Louisville 
at eight and a half. And I'm going to go down and find these as we are um, doing them. Florida State, uh, nine and a half is what um, – let me close this window out. Nine and a half is what Vegas Insider had. So you're off by a full a full game there. I'm kind of surprised at that. They've I'm got, surprised they are only nine and a half. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They've, they've got Clemson at nine, and mm-hmm. you went nine and a half. Um, and they have Louisville at nine, and you went with eight and a half. So you have two hits and a miss. You're really surprised at a full game miss on Florida State. Yeah, what they're what they're telling you there is essentially they think those three teams are pretty even. And you know, I'm in the process of putting my college football preview together right now, and I agree with them. I think Clemson and Louisville are pretty even. And Clemson has to go to Louisville this year after the classic primetime Saturday night game they played early on when Lamar Jackson was off to that incredible start. So I'm not shocked to see that they have them pretty close. I am I am shocked that Florida State is a less than double-digit over-under win total given their preseason hype. I am very surprised to hear that. Uh, next up, you've got Miami at 8. Mm-hmm. NC State, 7.5. Virginia Tech, seven and a half. They have Miami at eight and a half, so that's a hit as you were only a half off. NC State, you were seven and a half. NC State, they are seven and a half, so another hit. And Virginia Tech, you had seven and a half, and they had nine. That is a point and a half miss. Wow. Given the quarterback they lost and everything else, so... I mean, they've got the same over-under win total on them as Clemson. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. And every year when we talk about, but that's crazy, what always ends up happening every time on this? Vegas is right. Vegas is right. Always whenever we say it's crazy, okay? Crazy is not the same as wrong, okay? Like, you can know more about a team because you're closer to them or you have an angle or studied something. And and a lot of times times teams that are not major teams – you can you can find that they're wrong because public perception will drive some of what is in in these early, early unders as, or over unders as well. But so it's one thing to think when you think they're wrong. But I'm just warning you, folks. Whenever you think they're crazy, they're right almost every single time. <laughs> they, they are wrong. No one's perfect. But whenever you think they're crazy, they're almost always right. Yeah, um, you've got Notre Dame at seven and. Vegas Insider did not have a Notre Dame for this one. I don't know if it's because of transfers or what, but they did not have a line for this. Um, North Carolina, you also have at seven. And then Georgia Tech, six and a half. They had North Carolina at seven, so dead on. Um, and then Georgia Tech, they had at six and a half. So, again, two, uh, two dead hits. And I'm already starting to grin from all these as you are, once again, Proving your savantness, as you coined a term earlier. Uh, Pitt- <laughs> Pittsburgh, six and a half. Duke, five and a half is what you have. They have Pittsburgh at seven and a half and Duke, five and a half. So you went one for two on there on that one. So seven I'm and a half, full game better. At, surprised at Pitt, tough schedule. Okay, they've got, I mean, Pitt's playing Penn State and Oklahoma State, who are both going to be in the preseason top ten. They play both of them in the non-conference um, and, you know, they lost James Conner. They lost Nathan Peterman, who was a revelation for them at quarterback. And they've got the uh, Sam Brownlee, the young man that uh, – or Max Brown, I should say, the young man that uh, Sam Darnold beat out at USC. He's going to be the starter this year. So 
that's one where I, I think they're not crazy because that's in line with how Pitt has performed the last couple of seasons, but I think that might be one that they're wrong. All right, just run through these. Wake Forest uh, 5, Syracuse 4.5. They had Wake Forest not on there and Syracuse not on there. So they're kind of getting down the crumbs. And and I'll I'll fill in some of these gaps later. Um, Boston College 4.5, Virginia at 5.5. And they did not have either of those on there. So I think they're sort of, from this June 1st look, they're leaning uh, heavily on teams of uh, legitimacy, if you will. Let's go to the Big 12. Oklahoma, who has a new coach, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this episode. They had him at 10. That was before uh, you have him at 10. That was before Bob Stoops announced his retirement. Do you want to alter that at all? Because I, I would not hold it against you um, and, you know, criticize you for not having a pure bracket if you wanted to make a change to that well vegas came out with theirs before stoops's retirement too correct? that's true that's true okay i mean if i had to do it now i'd put it i'd make it nine and we'll get into this more in, in later on but you cannot i mean i just college football analysts just crack me up okay I, on one hand you want to tell me bob stoops is a hall of fame coach and he is on the other hand you want to tell me a 33 year old guy who's never been a head coach ever is going to step right in for a Hall of Famer, and they're just not going to skip a beat. That's just a dumb take. It's just a dumb take. And, and I've heard it all over college football media this week. So if I had to do it now, again, I I would drop them down at least a game to nine. At least a game to nine. I mean, th- those opinions are almost at odds with one another. I mean, if well, of you, course they are. If you, if you can just roll it out and anybody can win nine or ten games a year at Oklahoma, then doing that on average over 20 years shouldn't give you a Hall of Fame resume. I would agree. You can't on one hand tell me he's a great coach and then a 33-year-old guy who's never been a head coach takes over. And, and he, by the way, he's the offensive coordinator, which means, and we've seen this with these young coaches, how many times where they take over and, and the side of the ball they coach suffers because they, they want to still call the plays, they want to still call the schemes, they want to still run the show, but yet their attention is diverted elsewhere at the same time. And it ain't like they've got the greatest defensive coordinator in the world either right now. I mean, if, if, if Stoops had stepped down after the Sugar Bowl, it is quite likely his brother would not be the defensive coordinator this season. Right. So it, it's not like, you know, you've got Norm Parker, Don, at, at Mich- or Don Brown at Michigan, or, you know, um, you know, or Kirby Smart, who's now at Georgia, as your defensive coordinator. You're talking about a guy who is a pretty embattled defensive coordinator. You know, they were winning games last year. They were routinely giving up over well over 400, 450, 500 yards of total offense. So, you know, I, I bring that up because it's not like, well, you know, Pete Carroll's coaching the defense, Norm Chow coaches the offense. They split it up like USC used to do. It's not like that at all. And so I'll be very – I'll be – I'm – you know, he's now going to be the one to decide when to challenge, when to call timeouts. And he's got to do it with 170, you know, 100,000 100, people in the stands and 20 million people watching on TV. Uh-uh. I, I don't buy this idea that you just step right in and don't skip a beat. So I would drop them down at least a game if I did it now. But beforehand, I had him at 10. And Vegas had him at 9.5, so that's a hit. Oklahoma State. You have at nine and a half, Vegas at nine. So that is another hit. Now, I'll be interested to see Texas. You have them at eight and a half. Vegas has them a full game lower 
at seven and a half. And my guess is, if you were happen to be swinging through Vegas and were of the right mind, now, we're of absolutely, the, we're of the mind yes. to want to get down. You'd get down on that number. Yeah, I would. And here's why: Tom Harmon's career, or Tom Harmon. I keep doing this. Tom Harmon's career. First year at Iowa State, they go from three and nine to seven wins as the offensive coordinator. First year at Ohio State as offensive coordinator, they go from six and six to eleven and zero. First year at Houston, they go from um, they actually they want they they went they went twelve and one. They were eight. They had eight wins the first the year prior. Uh, he got there, and then they went twelve and one and won the year six bowl. Everywhere he's gone as a coach, uh, there has been so that's four stops. That's 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 uh, that's fourteen. I'm doing some math on the fly. It's been at least a four game improvement in the first year everywhere he has gone. Offensive coordinator or head coach. And when you look at the talent he has, John, this is so eerily similar. You know, I mean, the personalities are different and and Herman is was not one of the great players in Texas history, but he's a people forget he's a former Longhorn coach. That's he was a former assistant coach there. And so, you know, comes back home, embattled program, same thing as Michigan. The Everybody hated the AD just like they hated, you know, uh, Dave Brandon at Michigan. They thought he was a D-bag said the same, and, and a cheapskate. Same thing they said about Texas. The You know, students don't want to come anymore. Highly, A lot of highly recruited kids. They're soft. It's almost exactly the same thing. You know, uh, Mac Brown retires after a Hall of Fame run, maybe stayed a couple years too late. Lloyd Carr, same thing. They're not really sure. For, they're not completely sure who's the who's the per- best person to take over. They go get a guy from the old Big East. Um, that's what it was still back then. But in Charlie Strong, who had been a you know, been a great coach there and put it put them Louisville as a Big East team on the national map, just like and was everybody's next man in coach, just like Rich Rodriguez did the same thing. When West Virginia was in the biggest, you know, John, you know, eerily similar all these circumstances are. Yeah. Texas and Michigan, both elite pri- public schools with needy boosters and 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 high standard alumni that you got to schmooze. And then and neither Rich Rodriguez or Charlie Strong played that game, and so they never rallied the the alumni. It's so freaking similar. And you saw Jim step in with a journeyman quarterback and Jake Rudock, and they went from five wins to ten. Herman stepping in in a league where they play no defense at all. He's a, and he's an offensive wizard, and and he is left with a full cupboard of recruits. And the way that he's worked social media and everything else, it's very in this in his first off season is very similar to Jim. I think you'll see them take a huge leap in year one, just like Michigan and under Harbaugh, because it's so eerily similar when you stack up all these circumstances. Yeah, it is. It is. Um... Kansas State, you have them at eight and a half. Vegas has them at seven and a half, so a loss. Um, West Virginia, you have them at eight. Vegas has them at seven, so another point difference there. TCU, seven and a half is what you have. Vegas has them at seven, so there's a win. Baylor, you have them at six and a half. Vegas does not list them, at least for this June 1st update. Um, Texas Tech you have at 5.5, Vegas at 6, so that is a victory on that one. Iowa State, you have them at 5. This Vegas insider did not have them, but I have seen Canner. I think that they have them at, what, 4.5 or 5.5? I've seen 4.5 as well. Yeah, 4.5, so... 
go ahead and give you a win there. And uh, not surprisingly, they don't have Kansas listed. Moving on to the, let's go down to the Pac-12. USC, you have them at 10 and Vegas, nine and a half. So there's a win there. Washington, you have them at nine and a half. Uh, Vegas has them exactly at nine and a half. So there's a dead on hit that one. Stanford, you have them eight and a half. Exactly what Vegas has them, eight and a half. Washington State, another eight and a half pick by you. Vegas has them at seven and a half. Why are you so high on Washington State? Um, one of the top quarterbacks in college football returning. Uh, they, they've gotten better on defense the last couple of years. I think they still have 15 or 16 starters back. Mike Leach is a good coach. I mean, he's always he always fields a competitive team, regardless of what preseason expectations are. And when you get past USC and Washington, there's a lot of games in that conference that you can literally flip a coin. And ask yourself right now, <clears throat> uh, Mike Leach or Todd Graham, you got to win one football game. Which coach are you going with? Yep, and you could do that with you could do that with lots of coaches in that. Mike Leach or Jim Mora Jr. You got to win one game. Who are you going with? Yep, that's why. Yep. Okay. Good enough. UCLA. You've got them at eight. Vegas has them at six. That what Vegas is telling you is Jim Mora's toast. That's what he's telling. That's what they're telling you. Yeah, no doubt. That's a that's a two game difference biggest one of the night utah you've got them at eight vegas has them at six and a half uh oregon you've got them at seven vegas has them at eight uh, colorado you have them at seven big well job i thought back. i was being generous being giving them a seven yeah coming so that, that so vegas is telling you they expect a very strong rebound there um with the uh with the new coach coming in Colorado, you have seven. Vegas has seven and a half. Arizona State, they do not Take the under on that. That's the easiest under in the power five. What's that? Colorado. At seven and a half? Yep, take the under. Um, Arizona uh, State, they don't have. Arizona, you have five and a half. That's exactly what Vegas has. Uh, Oregon State, not listed. And Cal, not listed. Go down to the SEC, where you have Alabama at 11. Vegas has them at 10.5. Auburn, you have them at 9.5. Vegas has them at 8. And I think you might like that over quite a bit. Oh, I like. I would get down on that over. You bet I would. Yes. <laughs> get down. <laughs> Was that Jesse Ventura commercial? Is that where we got that from? I don't know. I just like that expression. I think it was. Remember in our morning. We should be saying it. Frankly, I just, I just kind of like it. So don't yeah. tell me what it really means, so I can plead ignorance. Yes. But at no, that but time, I didn't really know what mustache rides meant when I first wrote the lyrics <laughs> for. Uh, that state fair song we did yes i didn't know what it meant yeah we brought in the girls from the sales room they started giggling and i'm like what is so funny and i pulled you aside and said bro we're gonna need to change the lyrics on that one yeah i didn't know what it meant i really didn't know what it meant <laughs> and i got really embarrassed do you remember that yes. i didn't know what it meant I, yes yeah because we brought them all up to be the kxm singers <laughs> And there's a big old mustache rides line right in the middle of the song. I'm like, uh, yeah, they start giggling and stuff. I'm like, I don't. What's so funny about that? Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I thought it was a good line. But I'm like, you guys think I wrote it, and you guys like it more than I do. I'm not. There's there's got to be something wrong when you're more impressed with my with my material than I am, right? And then you took me aside and you told me what it meant. I said, oh, okay, well, yeah, we're gonna have to change that. Yeah, you're right. It actually fit better in the song than what came after it. Um, it was a perfect line. So I, I yes. 
But at any rate, but where, where the Jesse Ventura thing came from, it was along the lines of, you know, those commercials we had on KXNO in the morning show and you and I were like half awake. You know, I still people I still don't think believe us when I said that I would get to the studio at 530. I would write down like five words. Each word represented a topic. You would roll in. You would roll in at 559. Right when the Miller and Dace in the morning music was coming up, and you'd walk over, and I'd sit there and ramble on for a minute, and you'd plug your headphones in, and then we'd go. That's that was the extent, by and large, of what we did for show prep for that show, and it probably yes. sounded like it. But a lot of those commercials that would get played in that early segment were kind of filler commercials, you know, like Go Long with Extends. We had a lot of fun with that one. But there was a there was a there was a there was a boilerplate betting commercial that was played, and Jesse Ventura was the endorser, and he would say, "If you want to get down this weekend, that's where the whole yeah. that's where our usage of get down stemmed from." And I can't believe you forgot that. No, but I do remember Jimmy Johnson saying, "Go along with extend." <laughs> I absolutely remember that. Yes, indeed. Um, God. We never grow up, and I hope that always happens. Anyway, Georgia, uh, you have them at 9. Vegas has them at 8. Florida, you have them at 8.5. Florida has them at 8. LSU, you have 8.5. Vegas has 9. So you're doing pretty well here in the SEC. Tennessee, you have at 7.5. That's exactly what Vegas has. Texas A&M, you've got them at 7. Exactly what Vegas has. South Carolina, You've got them at seven. Vegas, five and a half. Yikes, that's a low number for South Carolina. It is, but, I'll, I'll, you know, spoiler alert, I'm picking them five and seven in my college football preview. So, so okay, I so this Vegas came, this is, came before Vegas you did right. your extra homework then. Yeah. Um, Arkansas, you have it six and a half. Vegas has them at seven. Mississippi State, you've got them at six and a half. Vegas has them at five and a half. Um, Kentucky, you've got it six. Vegas has them at six. Old Miss, not a good week of PR for Old Miss. You have five and a half, and Vegas, um, Mississippi, Old Miss, they don't have them on here. Maybe it was something to do with the uh, who knows what's going on down there. And Vanderbilt's not on there, nor is Missouri. Let's move on down. That leaves just the Big Ten, right? We've hit all the other Power Five. Let's yep. go and get to the Big Ten, where I will participate in this as well. Let me just copy and paste this so I can have them all on the same screen. And the reason why I don't do the uh, the nation like Steve does the nation is I really have no idea. I'd just be throwing blind uh, darts. Let's go to Ohio State. You have 10.5. That's the exact same number that I put down. Vegas has them at 10. So there's a win there. Penn State, you have them at 10. I said 9.5, and, and Vegas has them at 9.5. So another win. Uh, Wisconsin, you have them at 10 as well. I put Wisconsin at 10 also, and Vegas has them at 9.5. So three up, three wins. Michigan, you put them at 9. I put Michigan at 9. Vegas, they put Michigan at nine. Uh, Nebraska, I have the Huskers at eight. You have them at eight. And Vegas has Nebraska at six. 
Ooh. I had to do a double take on that. That's the reason why I paused. Bet, I'd be willing to bet that is the lowest over under for preseason over under for Nebraska in the history of their program. It's so low, I'm almost going to have to like verify it later. That was shocking to me. Remember what we just said? There's wrong and then there's crazy, right? Yes. Okay. So if that sounds crazy, then like you know, I've got numbers. When I heard the Tom Herman or the Texas thing, I'm I'm looking at numbers, trends. I'm like, I just don't think that's right. But it didn't sound crazy to me coming off you know what they've been in the last two years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. That six though, does it sound crazy? I don't know. I mean, they won five games his first year. Because remember, this doesn't count postseason games, boys right. and girls. Only the first 12. So they won five games. And what were they? They win nine last year, but they, like, lost to all the good teams they actually played, right? So, or at least the elite, the other the other top echelon teams they played, they lost to all those teams. So, I don't know. That kind of sounds like splitting the difference a little bit to me. But it would absolutely be – it's absolutely got to be the lowest over-under win total Nebraska football's ever had, ever. I mean, you know how many Husker fans are going to get down on the over. So no it's doubt. not it's not like you just throw a number out because they've got to balance the juice on each side. No doubt. I mean, one of the one of the books put, started putting out their futures lines on individual games. They had Penn State a fourteen point favorite over Michigan. By the next morning, the line was at eight and a half. Yeah, because people just saw that line and went nuts on it. Okay, you're giving Jim Harbaugh fourteen points against anybody. I'm taking it, especially a team he beat forty nine to ten last year. Well, that's sort of the same factor you're talking about here, too, right? So, you know what? Do this. Let's do this, John. Let's let's circle Nebraska. And let's look at this again in about six weeks right before the season starts. Yeah. And let's see if that line has been moved up by, um, any, by people looking at that and saying, I got to take the action on that. Know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, this this it's a legit number. I was just googling it, and, and there were several blogs written by, uh, say, uh, Nebraska leaning authors that were uh, as shocked as we were. So, not a typo. Uh, Northwestern, you have them at seven and a half. I had them at seven and a half. I promise you, dude. I did not look at your numbers. I know you didn't. Um, Northwestern, they have at seven. So, because uh, you and I have almost had the exact same every time. Minnesota. You have them at seven. I have them at five and a half. And Vegas has them not listed, and that just breaks my heart. It kills me. Um, so you're much more bullish. I have Iowa at six and a half. I made that prediction several weeks ago. You have Iowa at six and a half. And Vegas has Iowa at six and a half. And frankly, Steve, I don't know which side of that I'm going to take yet. I really don't. Mm. Um, Michigan State. You've got them at six and a half. I put them at Michigan State, MSU, seven. Vegas has them at six and a half. So you nailed it right on the nose. Indiana, they have them. Vegas has it. Uh, you have it five. Oh, I'm sorry. You have it at six. I have them at five and a half. And Vegas has them at five and a half. So it's a double win force there. Maryland, you've got five and a half. I have five. Vegas, in this report, doesn't tell us. I'm guessing uh, we probably won't hear from Purdue. No, we don't. Or Illinois. 
Nope. Or Rutgers and no. So that'll be do it. I think you got about 65-70%, which is pretty darn good. Really good. Yeah, I've done better, though. I'm okay with it. I can do better than that. There's a couple now that I'm um, now that I'm uh, you know about a third or more through my college put my college football preview together. You know, like I mentioned, I, I think I mentioned South Carolina. I've, I've, I'm not as bullish on them as I was prior to starting my preview. Might say the same thing about West Virginia. Definitely the same thing about Oklahoma. And just a little tease. I, I think we're going to see our first two-loss team in the college football playoff this year. Hmm. In fact, when I look at these over-unders, it's almost like Vegas expects there to maybe be a couple yeah, of of two of two lost teams in the college football playoff this year. So yep. Now, when you say I can do better, um, you actually can't do better because we're done now. <laughs> okay. Next year, try it again. Okay, I will try on. it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on, um, Bob Stoops, longtime coach, University of Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Oklahoma University, OU down here. Um, was hired the day before Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, Oklahoma, hired Bob Stoops. He resigned this past week at the age of 56, going to go live life. His dad um, died of a heart attack while coaching football on the sidelines. At uh, at 54. At the age of 54. Uh, Bob has twin sons. Uh, His youngest kids, I think, are there as youngest. Um, they're going to be seniors in high school this coming year. Both of them scholarship football players. Right now, more mid-major level. Wouldn't shock me at all if somehow, some way, they made their way to Iowa City. But that's a story for another day. Uh, Bob and his wife saying that they are going to remain in Norman as that is home for them. They have recently purchased a second home in Chicago. Um, so they've got two homes in Chicago where they live in uh, when they live in Norman. So. Surprised by that? Surprised by the timing of that? I've got some thoughts on timing. I think you've already let one of the thoughts out of the bag earlier on the timing of his announcement. Yeah, I think um, I'm not surprised that we were in the area of his retirement. I, I think when Lincoln Riley didn't take the uh, the Purdue or Houston jobs last year, um, that meant one of two things. One, he thought that if they had another good offense this coming year, he could do better and and do what Kirby Smart did at Alabama, which is just skip the whole mid-major head coach thing and go right to a pretty good, if not upper echelon slash elite power five job in a year. Uh, or it could have meant that, especially when they signed him to a Lincoln Riley to a three-year deal, which is a long-term deal for a coordinator, no matter who he is that that was sort of indicative of a coach-in-waiting sort of thing. I mean, there's been, a, there's been a lot of coaching circle innuendo about Stoops the last few years. There was a lot of t- – he, his name's been casually bandied about, in, you know, in, in terms of the NFL. Uh, there's, a, there's, Michigan, there's a Michigan urban legend that he was essentially the unknown big-name plan B coach. If Harbaugh had said no, I don't know if that's true or not. That's just – you know, you and I know from our from growing up in the era of message boards. That's just one of those accepted uh, urban legends of Michigan message boredom. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but uh, you know, when you consider he's coached 18 years at the same school, and that entire time he's had the same president and the same AD, and I would be willing to bet 
that that has not happened in a long time anywhere in college football, um, given the era in which we are in. You know, the timing, I think, is uh, is is interesting. I mean, it, I think it's clearly about if he does this in February um, or right after the Sugar Bowl, it disrupts recruiting. If he does it in February, they probably get rid of we or they probably see some kids transfer before the spring before spring ball starts. His brother, who's an embattled defensive coordinator, as we alluded to before, probably is out of a job. So this was the right time with with spring practice in the bag, recruiting done. Um, you're you're really leaving no window for for kids to transfer at this point if they don't like it, given the lateness of the academic calendar. That this was the timing of this is really. Uh, in a way done to make sure all the hay is in the barn yep and he has given his successor every opportunity to be successful and and when you consider how often coaches don't get to leave on a positive you know mac brown a former oklahoma assistant who was bob stoops big rival at texas built a program that was every bit the equals of, of stoops's at oklahoma in its prime but he didn't get to leave on a good note most of the time, these guys don't get to leave on a good note, okay? They just don't. It's the old line from the dark night. You either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Most of the time, guys stay one, two, or three years longer than they should. So I think the timing is actually pretty good. I, I think it's terrible for Oklahoma season this year. I think it unquestionably is going to have an impact on, on uh, how good they are uh, just because you're putting a young coach – in, in, in a fire with, uh, with players that are used to going to him as their sounding board, as their buddy, and as their coordinator. And now at 33 years old, he's not much older than them. I mean, what is Baker Mayfield, 24? So he's not much, or 23, 24, he's, not, he's his older brother. And he's, used, and, and, and he's used to dealing with him as his equal. He's used to going to Baker Mayfield as the guy that coaches him up after Bob Stoops pounded him in practice for having a crappy day. And now all of a sudden, he can't be that. He's got to be the head coach now. And I think that's going to be a very tough adjustment for them this year. I do. Uh, I, I think that the league that they play in, and they don't, have, they don't play great defense themselves, that – I think it's going to cost them a game or two that they probably would not have lost if Coach Stoops had returned. I think it will hurt them this year. I think, though, it has the potential, if Lincoln Riley is who they think he is, I think it has the potential to benefit them down the road in the long run. Because you have Tom Herman coming in, who is a master of using social media and those sorts of things, that Bob Stoops is an old-school guy, doesn't want to do any of that, and... You know, people forget Texas nearly beat them last year, did beat them two years ago when they were a playoff team. It's not like the talent level of those teams is that much different. So you and I can only imagine what would the narrative be if, you know, Tom Herman wins his first two games against Texas. Oh, the young coach, Stoops has played out. So I think in the in the long term, if Lincoln Riley is what they think he is, that the timing of this could be good for Oklahoma in that if Texas is going to go with the new hotness, but he's actually proven himself as a coach, and you've got the and maybe you've got the next hotness on your staff, then let's go. You know, let's 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 go at it. But I, so I, I I think in the future that could be a help. But I think for this year it's 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 probably going to cost them 
um, if whatever window they thought they had to be to be a national championship contender. Because, I mean, he's, he's going to be drinking from a fire hose now. Because while it, from a personnel standpoint, John, doing this this late in the, in, in the offseason helps the roster stay stable. From a coaching transition standpoint, you now gave Lincoln Riley no buffer time this offseason. I mean, listen, most schools are starting practice around July 31st. That's, in less, that's about 50 days. That is, that's not a lot of time for – uh, the, for the Oklahoma players to get accustomed to Lincoln Riley being the guy, you know, at, in the top of the tower blowing the whistle, overseeing all of practice, as opposed to, hey, Link, or whatever they called him, Coach Link, who's your buddy, you know, who you go have a beer with after practice because he's not much older than you are. I think that's going to be a major adjustment for them. And I think it will hurt him this year. But I think the timing of this and Stoops walking away now with the program in such strong shape may help may help them going forward. Because Lincoln Riley may be a better matchup um, for Tom for Tom Herman and what he's going to do at Texas in the long run than Bob Stoops. Okay, I'm going to ask this question, not having given it any more thought than like the last four minutes. I didn't plan on it. It's just something that came up based upon some things you were saying. So let's go through this exercise on the fly, which is pretty much what we do. Um, let's let's go through the top ten winningest football programs of all time okay mm-hmm. and let's let's try and discern if another storied blue blood program who's in the top 10 for all time winningest programs which oklahoma is their number four by the way has hired someone with less coaching experience than lincoln <laughs> riley okay like in the modern era yeah right yes in the modern like era, the last 50 years yes okay michigan right. the answer is no no. no. Notre Dame, the answer is no. Well, they, they have Jerry Faust. Jerry Faust from, was a high school coach, so there you go. You like that poll? He was poll? a disaster, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Um, Charlie, Weiss, Charlie Weiss had never been a head coach. He'd, he'd never been, been a head coach, but he'd been offensive coordinator for the New the England Super Bowl pa- champions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give that the edge over Lincoln Riley's experience. Okay. Um, and, and you don't have to, but I'm going to. No, I'm okay. Um, I'm okay if you do. Jerry Faust, you know, came. What was it? Cincinnati Moeller or something like that was the high school yes. he came from, and he was a disaster. Yeah, yep. and I, so I thought, I thought I thought Lincoln was going to be the runaway winner until Jerry Faust trickled my mind. Um, but if he's your if, he, if he's your data point, that's not a good comparison. No. Now, what Oklahoma fans are going to say is, well, Bear, what do Barry Switzer, Bud Wilkinson, and Bob Stoops all have in common? Oh, they all got the job in their thirties. Okay. Well, Barry Switzer, I think, was 36. Bud Wilkinson was about 36. Uh, Stoops was 38. You and I can remember pretty easily how different we were at 33 compared to 38. Oh, those yeah. are Those are huge years, and from a leadership standpoint, as a man, you're probably just entering into fatherhood or you're starting to have teenagers. You've maybe risen to a, a, level, to another, a management level or some other level of prominence in your job. Those are some pretty big years in terms of development, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, uh, sobriety and uh, drunk would be a big difference. Um, <laughs> Alabama. Um, who was the how guy? How old was Mike Shula when he got that job? He wasn't in his 30s, though. What's that? He played in the 80s. I was thinking how old was Mike Shula when he got that job, but he wasn't in his 30s because he played in the 80s. Was he after, so, no. was he after Stallings? Yes. Yeah. So I said that I said the guy after Stallings. So we both came to the same thing. I still say he was 
I, I, I still. Well, Mike Shula played. Mike Shula was this was a senior starting quarterback at Alabama in 1986, which means he would have been 21, 22, or 23 years old. That's 30 years ago. He st- he was the coach prior to, to 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 Nick Saban, so no, he would not have been that young. Um, Mike Price was was that the guy that fudged his resume? No, you're thinking of George O'Leary. Price is the guy that um, got hired at Alabama from Washington State, where he took them to the Rose Bowl with Ryan Leaf, and he's the guy that in the off season got caught at a strip joint. Okay. Uh, making it rain. Remember okay. that? Okay. Sports um, Illustrated wrote about it. Yep. Shula Shula was 38 when he was hired. So, okay. So, Texas. I mean, Tom Herman's actually done some things. Yeah, he's 38. Um, and he's Ma- done some things. Makovich yeah. had success at Illinois before, or was it the other way around? I can't recall. No, he had been. He had, had success at Illinois first. You're correct. Um. So I, I don't think Texas has done it. Southern Cal, Lane Kiffin, maybe. But that's it, and that yes, Lane Kiffin would have been. Well, he, he yes, a bit, remember he had the Tennessee job first. Um, he was so he was he was a little bit older than that. He had been the offensive coordinator at USC, but again, that he was a disaster at both. You know, he he was a disaster. There's a there's a reason why. You, you, when you're Alabama's offensive coordinator, the only job you can get is Florida Atlantic when you want to be a head coach. All right. He was, a, so again, our two data points so far are Jerry Faust and Lane Kiffin. If I'm not going boomer sooner here, man, if I'm living in Norman, Oklahoma, if those are my data points. So no, I agree. Um, Nebraska, they've not hired any, anybody that age because there's only been like four coaches since Tom Osborne or three. Um, Penn State, nope. Um, Florida State, nope. So there's your top ten, and the two the two comparative data points are Jerry Faust and Lane Kiffin. Yikes! <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say is yikes. I mean, yikes. I'm gonna bring this one up at the water cooler at work tomorrow and have oh, some fun. Oh man, that's a yikes, yikes, yikes. That's not a bad organic yikes. angle that just popped up. That's, no, that that's that's not. And I can I can actually hear you typing out a tweet the second oh, this podcast is over you're tweeting it. Oh, it's that's that's a that's a bad data point. It's a bad data point. And you know what? Let's not lose sight of really how great of a coach Bob was. And you know, I'm sitting here in my maze and blue man cave, but one of the pictures on the wall over my shoulder here is from the uh, year I worked for the Iowa Cubs sports station in Des Moines. And I hosted a fundraiser. I don't remember what the charity was now. It was for Hayden Fry's charity. I don't remember what it was. But we had um, all of uh, the ex-Iowa uh, assistant coaches who were then major college football head coaches, except for Bill Snyder, um, all came to town for a fundraiser I hosted uh, for one of, for uh, Hayden Fry's charity. And so I got to spend the day with McCartney, um, Alvarez, uh, Kirk, and Bob Stoops. And um, I it interviewed Stoops several times at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, despite the fact dude was a big star, just could not have been more gracious, could not have been more professional um, with his time. Just, just a class act. Um, my first year in sports talk radio, I was trying to get all the coaches on of the Big 10 and the Big 12 as a just nobody from Des Moines 
you know, trying to, you know, work sports information directors. And I, I couldn't get Stoops to come on. Um, so Chuck Long was his offensive coordinator. He came on. And it was on a Friday afternoon in the summertime. And the coaches were all just sitting around uh, on, on that Friday afternoon before they headed out for their last vacation before preseason practice started. And um, Chuck's like, well, hey, you know, Bob's just standing right here. I'll hand him the phone. So he hands Bob the phone. We did, Him and I end up talking for their 10 or 15 minutes. And I remember during that conversation, uh, because Bob was still a young coach, and he and talking about balancing family and how young their staff was when he first took over. Uh, there were a lot of young coaches like Chuck Long on that staff. Uh, and these were guys with families. And, you know, they had rules that, you know, no one into the office prior to 8 a.m. Everyone's out of the office at 6 p.m. You know, if you want to come back after the kids are in bed, that's fine. But everybody's home for dinner every night. They weren't going to sacrifice their families on the altar of, um, you know, the coaching profession. And the guy did everything there is to do in college football. All right. Won a national championship, coached Heisman Trophy winner, uh, 10 conference championships, national coach of the year, six-time conference coach coach of the year. The guy finished his career, he coached at 18 years there, and he had more co- co- conference titles than home losses in his career. Okay, He did everything there was to do, and he didn't sacrifice his family on that altar. Um, his daughter's a freshman, I think, at Oklahoma this year. His two twin sons, I think, are going into their senior year. And I just think he thought, you know what? It's their senior year. I want to be at their games. I've done everything there is to do. The program's in, in good shape. I don't, I'm not sure Lincoln Riley is really ready, but I'm not sure how much more ready he'll be at 33 or 34 or 35 either. And I think he looked at his mentor, Steve Spurrier, his, ma- his contemporary mentor. And, you know, Spurrier used to say two things. Um, one is don't ever coach more than 10 years at one place and don't coach into your 60s. And he violated uh, both of those things. OK, and you saw how it ended at South Carolina. And I was listening to an interview Steve Spurrier gave about a month ago on Sirius XM talking about the way he quit on South Carolina during the season. And he said that was the greatest regret he had as a coach that he, he kind of felt like maybe he didn't have it in him that entire offseason, but his pride got in the way, and he said, if you had to do it, go back over again. The minute he got up one morning and said, you know, I'm not sure I've got, I've got it in me to do this another year, he would have quit right then rather than trying to go ahead and be stubborn about it and then realizing in the middle of the year I'm failing these players. And I think maybe Bob Stoops had that point, which was, you know, I'm having this thought that maybe, maybe, and maybe it was a fleeting thought one day in April, maybe a fleeting thought one day in March, and then it didn't go away. And I think he just decided, you know what, I don't want to go out the way Spurrier did. I, I don't want. I could probably hang on here another two or three years with the way we're recruiting, and maybe Lincoln Riley goes and coaches somewhere else, and and we miss the opportunity to have a guy, a kid that, a guy that our kids are already relating to, walk out the door. So let's just do it right now, and. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't know that you'll see him coach again. You know, I don't know. He's 56. You know, we'll see. Um, if I had to guess, I would say it'd be more likely in the NFL because you don't have to. It's not a 365-day-a-year job. 
Um, like it, you don't have to deal with social media and stuff all the time. Recru- you're recruiting all the time. You don't have to do that. I mean, do you know what Bill Belichick is doing right now? Do you know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows, and nobody cares. But you know what, Nick? You know what? Satellite Camp, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and uh, Jim Harbaugh are at this weekend. You know what I mean? I mean, college football coaching is harder than the NFL now from a time st- standpoint. So I could see him maybe in three or four years trying that. But I don't think this will be an Urban Meyer situation. Oh, I'm sick. I don't feel good because, you know, and then, you know, not coincidentally, I'm sick when Florida is an eight and four program now. And then a year later, Ohio State opens and I'm, I'm healed. OK, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think if he comes back, it'll be after a several year sabbatical. But I wouldn't be shocked if he was Bill Cowher either, John. Yeah. Which is, you know what, I walk away, I've done everything there is to do, I'm still relatively young given the wealth I've accrued and acquired, and I'm going to live a nice life, and maybe I'll do some TV, maybe I don't, but I'll see you on the flip side, thanks. He, he's made over $40 million, and he lives in Oklahoma. Um, it, the cost of living down here is pretty easy. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be as good as making $40 million living in Texas, but he's he, he doesn't need to come back for the money and not everybody comes back for the money i really i began to wonder i I told some people in the office this back in the winter time when the joe mixon video was released on december 16th of joe mixon um punching the the female in the restaurant i really started to wonder at that point in time if that was the beginning of the end for stoops whether i didn't feel that the university was going to do anything to push him out Bob gave some ham-fisted comments about that time, too, about things. And I just started to wonder, like, you know, I wonder if he ever thinks, have I done, am I done? I mean, we'll probably never be able to parse that out, but a lot of things get in there. I'll, I'll just say this about Bob Stoops' record. Oklahoma never went on any probation while he was there. Um, the time he was there, from 1999 to 2016, I throw Boise State out because I just don't count their wins. I'm sorry. Oklahoma is the winningest program in college football with 190 wins. Ohio State is next at 175. Now, they had several vacated, but you know what? You get wins vacated, you didn't win them. Uh, LSU, 171. Also had some, uh, a few, no, they, they played just seven fewer games. So we're talking about magnitudes of better were the Sooners under Bob Stoops. So he did a great job. Um, That being said, you tweeted something out, and this is the last item for this podcast. I don't exactly know if it was a conversation that you had with this gentleman, but you tweeted out a couple of days ago, quote, publisher of Oklahoma rival site believes Big 12 won't last more than five years, and school prez, meaning David Bourne, Oklahoma's president, wants to join the Big Ten while the boosters want to join the SEC. Now, we talked about Oklahoma and the Big Ten a few weeks back. There's, there's, there's just been a lot of consistent Oklahoma Big Ten-style chatter over really the last year and a half, in my opinion. I'm certainly keen on it down here because I'd love for Oklahoma to come into the Big Ten to have a, a Big Ten tie down here living in Oklahoma. And it wouldn't surprise me if that were accurate with regards to the fans and boosters wanting to be in the SEC uh, and the brass and the presidents wanting to be in the Big Ten. I think the culture fit 
down here as far as the fans are concerned, it's a better fit in the SEC. Uh, I, I do believe that. But I would certainly love to see Oklahoma in the Big Ten from a pur- purely, um, pur- purely athletic standpoint. This was actually an interview that was done Saturday while I was doing some lawn work um, on College Sports Nation. They had the publisher of the Oklahoma site on. And one of the questions he was asked was if they thought the ter- if he thought the turmoil in the Big 12 had anything to do with um, Stoops' announcement, which, of course, the guy said absolutely not. And then they asked him what they thought this could do for the Big 12, and he he expounded on this point himself. And um, he made it very clear he did not think that this league would last its grant of rights. Instead, he, instead he thought he did, wouldn't think it would last. It, it wouldn't last more than the next five years, because the because w- as he was expanding on the point, the host of the program asked him point blank, "Well, do you think when the grant of rights comes up in ten years?" that Oklahoma and Texas will renew. And he said, oh, my gosh, no, absolutely not. See, because, in fact, I don't think they'll make it the next five years. I don't know how they don't make it the next five years. I mean, is is it 2023 their grandson? I mean, yes. So that's six years. So that's six years, yeah. So, So, I mean, I think somebody could leave before then and basically play out the string for the next couple of years. So I think that could happen. Yeah. And then he made. Then he, when he was asked, "Well, where would they go?" and the host asked it as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State together. He said, "So do Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? Do they end up in the Big Ten West or in the SEC West?" And he goes, "Well, me personally, I'd like them to end up in the Pac-12, but I don't think there's any chance that will happen." I don't and think financially. I don't think financially that's a good move. Yeah, I think that's probably what he meant. So right now, the Big Twelve Big Twelve teams are making more money than Pac-12 teams are right now. Um, and so he I said that he, he said that uh, he thought David Bourne, the school president, he goes, I know David Bourne wants to end up in the Big Ten, but the boosters want to end up in the SEC. And I don't know. He goes, I don't know how much longer David Borden will be here as school president. And the boosters have a tendency to outlive the administration. So we'll see. That, that was how he um, that's how he categorized it, which, of course, I can't put all of that into 140 characters or less, so I try to just give you the nuts and bolts of it. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I like the comment about boosters outliving administration. That is something I, I kind of thought about, but not in that exact phraseology earlier today. Um, I think that we know that Oklahoma's academic side is certainly not going to make the uh, – academia in the Big Ten uh, and all that happy. Oklahoma State, even less. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are not governed by the same Board of Regents. They have separate Board of Regents. Um, you know, All states are a little bit different, like you, you told us a few weeks back, that Michigan State's Board of Trustees are, are, are voted upon positions. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Iowa, the Board of Regents are appointed positions, and they oversee Iowa and Iowa State and Northern Iowa. In Oklahoma, it's a separate Board of Regents. Now, David Bourne certainly is the straw that stirs the drink right now. Um, and that's your that's your school president wanting that. That's not your athletic director saying that's what I want. That's your school president who's very outspoken, who very much likes to be at the center of attention. Um, probably powerful much, former U.S. senator. Yeah, much the to the last true conservative Southern Democrats. Those don't really exist anymore. So he's a he was a throwback to another era, but. Um, 
that but I and I, I only bring that up in the context to show because he represents in our day what is it what is either an endangered or extinct species. So the fact that he is a direct link to that should give our audience an idea of just how entrenched and powerful of a figure he is in that state, you know? And so when you look at their simultaneous success in football or basketball, they, they, they did this once before 30 years ago, you know, you had the great Oklahoma teams with Barry, well, Barry Switzer had several eras of great teams, but his last great era was the Jamel Holloway era in the mid to mid late eighties. And that was just when you had Billy Tubbs and the Stacey King and Mookie Blaylock era in Oklahoma ba- basketball when they were playing for national championships and making a Final Four. Other than that, there's never been a more golden age of Oklahoma athletics than what we've seen under David Boren. So I think what would be the and, – and knowing how much David Boren talks to the media, I would guess that a lot of and, – and now hearing what the Oklahoma Rivals publisher says, I would guess a lot of this talk – that's being generated of Oklahoma in the Big Ten is probably coming from Boren or people in his office. I have zero doubt that's exactly where it is coming from. Oklahoma, I think they won five national championships this year. Um, they won softball the other night. They won gymnastics. I forgot you're right. They did, well, softball, they won the last two years in a row, right? Yeah. So they definitely have things um, going well. So, I, so I, I, think that's, I think that's pertinent because, yeah, boosters. the boosters tend to outlive the administration. But when you're putting together a resume and you have the political calcul- the political power, and even though Boren's not a senator anymore, there aren't too many school presidents in the United States that have the political power to make one phone call and get to get and, and allow and have your kid get named an Eagle Scout. Know what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. Not too many school presidents have that kind of political clout. He does. So. Nine times out of ten, I would say, well, you know, uh, Bubba the Love Spun Booster up there in his skybox with his harem that he's nailing at halftime is going to get his way. But I wouldn't necessarily make that prediction here because you're dealing with a guy highly successful, highly connected, has been to the mountaintop in two absolute dog-eat-dog worlds of partisan politics and academia – and and he and he did so in an era where the politics of the South, where he is from, was was changing from all blue to all red, and he managed to survive it and thrive in it just the same. Which tells you, this guy knows how to negotiate some environments. Okay, um, so I, I I would not necessarily just automatically say the boosters will get their way here, given who the president is in this case. Indeed. No disagreements there, and uh, I, I, I just I don't think that the little brother tag along thing is fait accompli. Um, I can't say that it's not. I, I don't have the greatest finger on the pulse of um, machinations within the state as far as politically is concerned. But it, it's nothing from what I've been able to discern. Nothing like you know the the Baylor um, graduates that were on the Texas board and, and admin and how Baylor was a tag along and brought along and wasn't going to be left behind back in the day. So we shall see a lot of time between now and uh, six years from now. That'll do it for this installment of the HN podcast for Steve. I'm John. Thank you for listening.